project resume can make your medical coding dreams come true. From resumes to interview skills to navigating a successful career, Project Resume has the advice you need from coders you can trust. See all that we have to offer at projectresume.net. Please make sure to reference Medical Coding Geek when you place your order. Do you need a specialized recruitment partner to send you only qualified candidates? Do you need interim staff while you conduct a search for a permanent employee? Or are you losing hires to competitors? Renowned Talent recruits experienced HIM, RCM, and CDI professionals using their trusted candidate screening and retention process for health systems and employers around the U.S. Whether you have one or multiple openings that you need to fill ASAP, please visit Renowned Talent. And tell them you heard this ad through the NEC podcast. Again, visit RenownTalent, R-E-N-O-W-N, Talent.com, and tell them you heard this ad through the NEC podcast. You are listening. You are listening. You're listening to. Do not to not elsewhere. Not elsewhere. Elsewhere. Elsewhere classified. Welcome to Not Elsewhere Classified, a podcast about the medical coding, health information technology, and clinical documentation improvement community. I'm your host, Brian Kui. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Not Elsewhere Classified podcast. Today is another solo episode. Now, I know I was, I was supposed to have... Um, uh, a guest this week, but I just recorded it yesterday, and the recording time was about two hours. So when you consider the amount of editing that re- is required uh, for a recording that long, I think um, I just I'm just gonna push <laughs> that episodes those episodes uh, to one hour sessions over one hour uh, for next week. So today I wanted to continue the conversation that I had last week in regards to the CDIP credential and kind of carry it on with other credentials and with other associations. But before we get started, let's talk a little bit of business. Of course, if you're listening for the first time, welcome. Over 70% of our listeners listen to this podcast through their iPhone. So please pick up your Apple device, go to Apple Podcasts, go to our show and leave a five-star rating possibly and review all the feedback and the ratings definitely help out the podcast you can check out medical coding geek and the not else classified podcast on social media including facebook and instagram you can check out our facebook groups by going to medicalcodinggeek.com slash services And of course, if you need a speaker or need a business partner to promote your brand or service, please feel free to reach out to us. And of course, you could find me, Brian Kui. My last name is spelled C-U-I on LinkedIn. So last week, I did a podcast episode talking about the CDIP certification. So if this is your first time listening to this podcast, I highly suggest you go back to last week's episode because it was an interesting um, self conversation <laughs> about the about the credential specifically about the two the removal of the two year requirement the two year uh, required experience 
needed to just apply for the certification. So, of course, every week when I release the podcast, I post on social media, including LinkedIn, and I wanted to read some of the uh, comments that came from that post. So this comment was about uh, a clarification about the CDIP exam being a tough exam. Because when you hear about the, I guess, removal of a two-year experience requirement, you think about, again, as I mentioned last week, the it seemed like the prestige of the credential uh, went down. It didn't seem shiny anymore. Uh, but this comment said, I, let's see, this comment said, I just want to mention that the CDIP is a tough exam. Unlike other CDI tests, you cannot bring any reference books to the testing location. You must know the content in order to pass the exam. Also, it's the only credential that tests you in both settings, inpatient and outpatient. Now, I do want to clarify some of the information, the, the comment here, uh, especially with the reference books. Now, there's no reference books needed, um, but when you take the exam, I mean, again, I feel there needs to be some level of experience in a way that you understand the role, the workflows, the systems associated with the questions that you're going to receive on the exam. So he said uh, you cannot bring any reference books, including ICD-10 books, DRG uh, books. That's true. But the way the exam is, is structured is that they, are, they provide you the information you need to answer the exam question. So if it's something that requires a ICD-10 code, ICD-10 PCS code, a DRG, they will have it as a table for you to reference. So you don't need the book, but you will have the information in order for you to make a decision. So that's also the same thing when you look at graphs and certain things like that. Now you cannot have a calculator, of course, but you do have some form of writing pad that you can make those calculations. And the comment uh, stating that the credential tests in both settings, inpatient and outpatient, well, I mean, I took, I verified, I took the test in 2015, as you saw in the little picture there. Uh, the. I guess when I when I studied for the exam, I didn't feel there was much outpatient. But then again, you know, the the when I took the exam, risk adjustment was just beginning to rise. So I don't know if there was an update to the exam. So maybe there might have been uh, inclusion of outpatient uh, questions and a pool of outpatient questions that could have been included in the exam. The only thing that I remember in the exam that was kind of remotely outpatient was a question about CPT, and that was about it. Now, was it a tough exam for me? No, but again, I had nine years of experience going in. So it comes back to my original statement that if you take a two-year requirement out of the equation and you just um, make it just a recommendation, this opens the door for people who easily qualifies for the exam and take the exam. So again, going back to the statistic of, I think in 2019, the passing rate was 70%. That is a fairly low score. So meaning that 
a passing rate of 70% means to me that it's 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 a fairly uh, challenging exam. So the year before that, it was 76%. So it dropped down 6%. So either there's a, um, the, the tough, the test got tougher or the number of people taking the test got lower. I, I don't know what, what contributed to all of that. Now, here's the next comment. Uh, it says, thanks for posting the podcast. Uh, in my opinion, opening up the certification exam without the requirement of any experience waters down the value of the credential. Some people are excellent test takers. I have seen this personally with the CCS exam. And so that's something that I want to talk about is looking at the CCS, CCS exam, the Certified Coding Specialist brought to you by uh, HIMA. Now, when I when I saw that comment, I looked again at the AHIMA website, looked at the CCS uh, exam information, and the passing rate is eighty percent, which is fairly higher than, of course, the the CDIP exam. Now, when when I when I started school back in or the HIM program back in two thousand one, um, my first coding course i believe it was icd <laughs> icd9 uh with professor elton cuss i don't know if he ever listens to this but professor cuss if you're listening i i need to reach out to you because i would love to have you on on the podcast anyways he told me that or the class that you know of course he he, he uh, in, in starting his course um he made mention of the ccs exam and made mention that it was a difficult exam and required that you have some form of experience, right? So even up until now, even though I have <laughs> a certain amount of experience, I mean, almost, what, 15 years of experience dealing with coding, I'm still, I feel because of that comment, I still, I still feel intimidated with the CCS exam, even though a lot of my colleagues will tell me, ah, that's it's it's a walk in the park for you. You've been doing it for so many years. I think it's going to be easy for you. But still, it's just that idea that the CCS, um, as promoted through the social media groups, as promoted on YouTube videos, as being the gold standard. I mean, but as as of as of this past week, in in looking at the uh, passing rate. I mean, 80% is really a high passing rate. So let me go through this table here. If you go to the AHIMA website, uh, the passing rate for first time test takers. So in 2017, the passing rate was 75%, right? 2018, the passing rate was 81%. Uh, 2019, the passing rate is 80%. So again, I'm curious of what 2020 was. It's probably lower, uh, lower amount of test takers. And so I'm sure that will affect the passing rate for the first time test takers. So I, I guess a question that comes up to, to, for me to address is why do we have an increase of passing rate? from year to year, from 27 to 2018, 
to 2019. Now, I can think of a couple ways or a couple, a couple suggestions as to why we have this number. Now, the, the first thing that comes to mind is the exam itself, uh, the exam content. Is it difficult? Is it easy? But when I see a trend uh, going higher over the years for a specific exam, then the information in the exam probably hasn't changed, maybe. Or maybe it has changed, but not so much. And then one thing, if I, if I was part of all of this monitoring, monitoring for the HEMA exam, um, I would be concerned about the integrity of the exam. So you have all of these Facebook groups, um, you know, that potentially could be leaking out some of this some of this exam information. That's something that needs to be monitored. Now, I, I'm gonna say right away that in my group, Medical Coding Geeks, I do not allow any exam questions, but I do allow for exam concept discussion. So as the administrator of the Medical Coding Geeks group, I ensure that there's no, I guess, um, practice of, you know, sharing exact questions from the exam and then having that discussion or just asking for for an answer uh, and, and that type of activity. Now, of course, if you have a high rate of passing for the exam, especially when it's 80%, that means the there's going to be an increase of certified professionals. So I think about two weeks ago, I saw a post from somebody on LinkedIn, and um, I, I th- maybe I should read it, but I'm not going to name the person who posted it. So this post goes on saying that uh, this person received two more rejections for medical coding positions. What are these employers looking for? I've gone from being depressed to acceptance now to anger. I'm so frustrated beyond words. They don't see that this not only affects me, but also my family. My husband, my kids have been so supportive, but it's disappointing to them as well. When I don't succeed, nine months, nine months of rejections is too much. I need a break. The Haugen Consulting Group offers healthcare consulting, education, and auditing services utilizing a team of industry experts specializing in leadership, project management, and assessments for HIM and patient access. Their auditors and educators are experts in facility and professional fee coding and offer education for ICD-10-CM, PCS, CPT, HIM, patient access, and revenue cycle. The Haugen Consulting Group is thrilled to be a partner with MedicalCodingGeek.com and the Not Also Classified podcast. Go to thehaugengroup.com slash shop and use promo code GEEK15 at checkout to receive a discount on webinars and desk aids. Again, go to thehaugengroup, H-A-U-G-E-N group.com slash shop and use our promo code GEEK, G-E-E-K-1-5 at checkout. Looking for a convenient, cost-effective solution for interventional radiology coding training? Check out Cracking the IR Code, Mastering Interventional Radiology and Cardiology Coding Online Education. 
created by interventional radiology coding expert Stacy Buck of RadRx. This comprehensive online training offers access to content for one year, Q&A support available during your one-year enrollment period, hundreds of coding scenarios, and actual operative reports. What are you waiting for? It's time to earn that specialty credential. Go to RadRx for additional testimonials and information, and use our promo code GEEK10 for special pricing. Again, go to RadRx and use our promo code G-E-E-K-1-0 for special pricing. So nine months of, you know, doing this uh, job search thing uh, can be, I guess, mentally draining, especially when the results don't come your way. Now, I'm going to give a case example for this one. Um, uh, You know, she's been on the podcast, Erica Brady, right? And so her story, if you want to go back and listen to her podcast episode, she's a recent graduate, I think last year. No, maybe the year before. Maybe, I guess so, yeah. In 2020, she graduated, um, passed her RHIA, uh, got a job immediately, but found that the job that she had, I guess, didn't suit where her career direction wanted to go. So she actually last year resigned from the position and actually took four months off. So in that time of the four months, she spent time, uh, of course, applying, I guess, like being accepted to a master's program, uh, master's program for uh, health data analytics. Um, she did some programming classes online, I think through Coursera, anything that, that uh, is offered online. But basically, in the four months, she's she took the time to level herself up. Aside from what she had, she only had her um, RHIA. So most recently, she got hired by a big hospital system in South Florida, uh, doing what she wanted in in terms of doing and dealing with healthcare data analysis. And what I told her was that the reason why they scooped you up because, of course. You had the right attitude. I mean, I've spoken to you. I've spoken to her a lot. Uh, she has her RHIA. And I think because they saw that she has been spending the time improving her skills and data analytics, plus uh, going for her master's in health, health data analytics, they saw a potential opportunity with this individual, with Erica, and they just scooped her right up. So in this case, I mean, again, going back to the comment about the CDIP exam, about CCS being watered down, um, you're, I guess because of that 80%, we're seeing an increased pool of credential professionals, but they're not experienced. So when I go back and look at some of these profiles of people who come to me who have their CCS, I look at their experience and it's very limited or it's there's, there's none at all. But then when I go back, you know, in time... Back in 2001 with my coding instructor, you know, the level of prestige that the CCS held back then, I I was afraid of it. (laughs) That's the reason why it deterred me from from doing any coding after I graduated. But I mean, here I am today. So a question that comes to mind is, does the CCS hold its own gold standard, you know, because of that 80 percent? passing rate you know for me the exam should be tough you should fear that exam Um, and because it's tough 
it has merit in the industry. So do I want to see a lower pass rate? I mean, that's not up to me to decide, but I would like to see the exam be tough and the data show that there are limited amount of people passing the exam. I'm not looking at 50%, but at least above 70, maybe 75% is good, but 80% is you see the trend going up. So the only things that I've seen in terms of the CCS exam is when they change the the coding year. I know coming up for this uh, this year, they're they're going to transition to the 2021 codes. Uh, I've seen some instances where you know discussion of a beta version coming out, or the fact that they they're you need to take the exam before the beta version is released, and of course when the beta version is out the results do not come immediately. They come weeks after. So in, in terms of all of this stuff with the exam, I mean, I, I want to understand the integrity of the exam, uh, making sure it captures what's going on in the industry, right? Of course, capturing all of the basics, um, capturing the case scenarios that you see day in, day out as a coder. Don't provide any <laughs> um, questions that are totally irrelevant to what coders see. I mean, in, in when I took the CDIP exam, there were questions I'm like, I have never seen this as a CDI specialist. So um, relevance or being relevant, the questions have to be relevant to what's going on in the industry. So as far as those that have a CCS and you know, you're having trouble uh, finding that job, the one piece of advice that I gave this post was, and I have it right here, uh, I have always found that when you do not seek the opportunity, the opportunity actually seeks you. So that's the one thing that I actually told Erica. I mean, she, I think because she wasn't seeking that specific healthcare system, um, the the they just saw the opportunity with her and, and I it's funny because once she got that opportunity all of the opportunities that she has applied for started to call for her so it was it was weird it was really weird but surprisingly that's how it works when you're scooped up for a potential opportunity for some reason other employers <laughs> start to call you and say hey we would like to scoop you up too so the advice for uh this individual who posted in regards to you know the 9 months you know, nine months is a long time. Um, I'm I'm thinking you're working, but you want to get that full-time coding position. And one of the best advice, at least for me, is get close to the position you want. I mean, I wouldn't exactly want to get the the position right off the bat. I mean, it's it's a good idea, but if you cannot obtain let's say for example you know that coding position if you have a ccs then find a job that is surrounding or nearby that position i mean i remember speaking about this with sue chamberlain so you can check out those episodes from uh december of 2020 but when you're when you're in that role that is not related to the role that you want you want to see how it relates how it connects who are the people that are associated with the job that you want? And for some, I, I do this all the time in where I make indirect connections with the people that I need and once and slowly and organically make those connections. 
And then from there, it's all about promoting yourself, promote yourself, show who you really are. I mean, the CCS, you know your stuff, you passed an exam, you could do the job. But if, if I was hiring somebody, if I was on the other side doing the interview, my, my real question would be, why should I hire you if there are other people who hold the same credential as you do? So what sets you apart from the rest? And that to me is where a level of competition is being created. But the thing is, is that when in this online environment, you don't see that. You don't see what the other candidate has. So you're really flying in blind. And because of that, it is your responsibility to promote yourself, make yourself presentable in a way that employers will want you. And then one thing that I always say is have the right attitude. Don't be desperate. <laughs> don't be desperate for the position. Because I think desperation kind of kills the mood. If you have an attitude where you are excited for the role, but also show some humility in the role, give the employer an understanding, an, uh, a feeling that you want to learn. You would also want to reveal that you, um, you may have questions on some parts of the role, but you're willing to learn it and have examples in situations that you've done something similar to that instance. And all of this doesn't um, resolve on its own. You won't get a job overnight. It just takes time. But the most important thing is to take it one step at a time. And in regards to all of this certification stuff, I mean, bottom line, the associations that we see, AHIMA, AAPC, ACTIS, HFMA, um, HIMSS, the business model is really simple. Get a community with shared interest get feedback from that community on what they want. And the associations, at least from my understanding, the association's responsibility, the professional association's responsibility is to make that community better. And so in order to, I guess, bring out the best of the community, that's where certifications come in. But of course, if any business running an association, uh, administering certifications, uh, creating resources for those certifications. I mean, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. And of course it takes a lot of money. So going back to the CDIP and all of that stuff, the question is, is it, is this a money move? I mean, anything that is being done with any certification is some form of making money type of situation. But then one thing that I always want to look at is how is it affecting the community? And bottom line, the question is, is it making the community better? So I think that's it for certifications. What I want to do next is, I guess, give you guys a, a palate cleanser, <laughs> especially with all of this talk about certifications and, and, and watered down certifications and difficulties in finding jobs with a certification. I wanted to share a story by somebody by the name of Trish Keller. Now, back in 2017, I, of course, created the podcast uh, back in July of 2017. That's one of the that's when one of the first episodes had released. And one of my original intentions for the podcast was for the community, for people to use the platform to tell stories 
So if you check out, let's say, for example, the Moth podcast, M-O-T-H. This is a podcast of, a, I guess, a group that brings in a community of people to tell stories. And so they would have these storytelling events all over the nation. This was, of course, pre-COVID. And they would record their sessions and use them as podcasts. So I thought, you know, wouldn't it be great if people in the HIM, medical coding, and CDI community just, I guess, call in and and share a story? It might be serious. It might be sad. It might be happy. It might be funny. It might be scary, whatever it may be. And I remember sending out, I guess, a a post requesting for stories. And this was the only one that came uh, to me to share the story. Now, what's funny about this story is how I recorded it. So I remember the day before I recorded it, uh, me and my family were traveling on a major um, interstate in Orlando, uh, I-4. And I guess before reaching our exit to our hotel, because we didn't live in Central Florida at the time, uh, I ran over, I guess, some truck debris, uh, maybe a bus. I think it was a busted tire. And I ran over, I guess, a, a long piece of the tire. And what had happened was that piece of the tire blew out one of my tires, smashed my rear light. And then we were stuck on the side of the road for like a couple hours. So fortunately, we got it fixed, but the thing is I needed to change the tire itself because it was damaged. So the next day, I took the tire to Pep Boys to get it repaired, uh, to get the truck repaired and realigned, all of that stuff. And I decided to take my recorder and my phone. That's how I used to record episodes for the podcast, was by talking through this mixer. I had no microphone and connecting the phone to the mixer and recording those conversations. So here I am in the lobby of Pep Boys with this setup, creating this, you know, dialing in for this phone call and obtaining this story. So without further ado, here is a short, funny story by Trish Um, Keller. So my story starts with, you know, I guess a little background. I've worked from home since my husband and I have known each other. Um, So he's kind of spoiled, you know, he's used to having his wife at home to deal with things. Uh, with the exception of every so often, I have to go up to my company for on-site training. Um, usually lasts a week or two, uh, which is how this story started. I had to go up to Rochester, Minnesota. Um, I'm from Iowa. I had to go up to Rochester, Minnesota for a week for training. And so my husband was home by himself, and we have three dogs. So his job, of course, while I'm gone, is to take care of these three dogs. Uh, their dog food was getting a little low, so I told him he needed to go to the store to get their dog food. Well, he decided that that wasn't necessary, that he would just mix in a little cat food um, with our dog food to, to make the dog food last longer. So he didn't have to go to the store. He would wait until I got home to do it. Um, so I found this out about Thursday of the week that I was gone, and I told him, no, you need to go get dog food. That's not good for them, blah, blah, blah. Um, So he did. Uh, I get home on Sunday and get up Monday morning and clock into work here at home. Um, We have, like I said, three small dogs. Uh, They're chihuahuas, so they're very small. Um, And one of them kept wanting to go outside, and I couldn't figure out why. So after a while, I just decided to ignore her. 
You know, she'd been outside three or four times. We're done. Um, go back to work because she's distracting my day. And so I blocked her in the living room with a baby gate and went back to work and just figured she would settle. Um, the next time I get up to go to take a quick break, I smell a mess. And I go out to the living room, and apparently this was our newest dog, and she has a sensitive stomach. And so what started out as I just want to go outside, what I thought was to play, she was having a reaction to the cat food and decided to have accidents all over my living room floor Um it looked like a sprayer of dog poo all over my living room. And so needless to say, I brought her into the office with me so I could keep a closer eye on her. But when you work from home, it is so easy for the aspects of your life to overlap. And this was a case of that, of... Now, I'm I'm still trying to work. I'm still supposed to be working until 4 o'clock in the afternoon. It is now 1. I have three hours left, and there is a gigantic disaster in my living room. So you have to learn to separate. Um, blessedly, my office is very separate from the living room. I did not have to at least deal with the smell for the rest of the day, but you have to learn to let go and say, okay, that happened. I can't do anything about it right now because I still have to work. I still have to do my job. So I got to let it go. Um, Texted my husband at work, said this is what happened. I can't deal with it right now. I have to work. We're going to have to deal with this when you get home. Um, so that's what we did. I ended up just, as horrible as it sounded, I had to leave the mess um, and leave it until 4 o'clock when I got off work, of course. By then, we, we, we thankfully have a carpet shampooer. We got it cleaned up. All was fine. But it's a testament to even though you're working from home, you're still working. You still have to do your job. You still have to put in your time, you still have to maintain your production levels, and sometimes you just have to think it's so easy to get up and say, I'm just going to deal with this really quick, or I'm just going to do a quick load of laundry, or I'm just going to do a quick sink of dishes, and there comes a point where you have to say, if I was truly at work, if I was in an office, would I be able to stop and do this? No. Then it's going to have to wait. And sometimes you just have to take a deep breath and say, it's going to have to wait. And that's my story. I didn't know if that's what you were looking for, but that was that was my day. <laughs> so hopefully you guys enjoyed that story. It lightened up the mood, especially at the end of the week. And again, I'm reaching out to the community. Now it's been over almost three years. And if you have a story to share, if you just want to tell the story, and it doesn't have to be as long, 
as a podcast episode. It could be five minutes, two minutes, one minute. You can reach out to me, of course, on LinkedIn, but you can also go to the Anchor website, anchor.fm slash NEC podcast. Again, that's anchor.fm slash NEC podcast. And when you go there, there's an actual button that you can press to record a message. So, of course, if you have a story to share, put it in there and I will put it in at the end of the episode somewhat as a palate cleanser uh, for the episode. Or maybe hopefully one day gather a bunch of stories and put it into one episode itself. So I look forward to your stories. Thank you guys for listening and I'll check you guys out next time. Medicalcodinggeek.com